choices and something to remember is that don't ever let your public worship outdo your private. Don't ever let what happens in public be more worship than what happens when you're alone. And man, I heard someone say that to me and it, it just, it rocked me. So I want to challenge you with that as well. What is your worship? And we'll just talk about singing right now. What is that like when you're alone? Like worship songs. You're like, man, I sing all the time. I just want to encourage you to, when you come in here, it's like, oh, I've been doing this all week. I, I, I was just doing that song, The Stand. And now we're doing it right here with everybody else. It's on. Don't let this, don't let church be the only place that what just happens, happens. Let it happen all the time. Um, here's, here's the deal for tonight is I really want to get, I really want to deal with some things. And I hope that when you get up and you leave that you're not the same person you were for everybody, adults included. This is all ages and all titles and all whoever you are, me included. That we don't leave here the same person that we were when we walked in. That we actually deal with our junk. Because it's too easy to come to church, sing a few songs, high five a few people, play some basketball, hear a message, practice and jump practice and giggle, and then leave, and you're not changed, and you never dealt with the thing that has been killing you all week long. If we do that, man, it looks, it looks like this. So um, this, this bag right here uh, has a bunch of poop in it, for real. If you'd like to taste it, I'll totally let you, um, but it does, fresh, fresh compost, if you will. And so um, here's, here's, here's what it looks like. Um, it's just a bag of poop. But let's just say, let's just say this was our living room, right? You're, you're, you're in your living room and you've got a bag of poop in the middle of your living room. Anybody dealing with that right now? Anybody? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, well, here, here's the deal, is that you, uh, just, just work with me for a second, okay? So, so you clean your house, maybe you don't, maybe your mom does, your dad, your whoever, okay? But adults, I kind of clean my house. So what if I went around my house with this Lysol, by the way, by the way, Lysol, stuff is deadly. This kills cats, cows, AIDS. Everything. If you don't believe me, read the back. Next time you're hanging out in the bathroom, grab a can of this and read it. Get off your phone and read this. All right. So back to the living room, okay? You're spraying. You're like, oh, got to spray over here. Yep, yep. Got to spray over here. Whoop, whoop. Spraying. You know the whole time you got a bag of poop in the middle. And you're spraying over here. You're like, oh, Brett has some bad breath. You got to spray that. Whew. Spray. Oh, I didn't mess that up. Uh, spray these pedals because athlete's foot and you're over here and you're spraying this and you're doing this and you still it smells nice up here man this is good it's good stuff you still got this bag of poop and you're like eh, just leave that there 
come over here. And, and so you clean all around this, and we never do anything with it. We walk away like, man, that was awesome. That was awesome. Cleaned up. But you never dealt with this. And the same thing can happen in our Christian lives, is that we come to church and we clean all the other areas of our life, and we come in and we do this and we do that. But we don't actually deal with the crap that is in our lives. And today, my prayer is that when you leave here, you feel so free and that you actually deal with the stuff that is deep in the middle. And I want to look at someone's life who had serious, active faith. And his name is David. Now, David, before I get into it, David had just slept with Bathsheba. He had just had relationships with her. Some things happened. He saw her, okay? He then had her husband killed because he shouldn't have been with Bathsheba. He then lied and he lied and he lied and he's caught up in all this stuff. Then his boy shows up. His name is Nathan. And look what happens. 2 Samuel 12. David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. This is David, by the way, King David, who, who you've all probably heard about. He's the man, David and Goliath. This guy is the man. And he says right here, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, check this out. Nathan replies, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. So here's, here's the deal. Now, I just told you something that happened over a long time. He's an adulterer. He's a murderer. He's a liar. Most people that do those things should be in a lot of trouble. Nathan comes and says, hey, don't worry about it. God is going to pass over you. That's exactly what happens in the Old Testament, is that God passed over those with great faith. You see, David did not have Jesus to look to. David was not, he didn't know about Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. But David's great faith caused God to pass over him. And now think about if you are Uriah, who David had killed, what if you're Uriah's parents and you find out that David, who did this, nothing happened to him? You are upset. Or what if your Bathsheba's parents like, man, he raped her. You're, you're, you're upset about that. I cannot believe that God would just look over this and not make it a big deal. Well, the truth is we see the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in this moment because God's God, that's what God does, is he looks at us and all the junk that we have and all the crap that's in our lives, and you know what he does if we have a relationship with him, is he passes over us. You can read about it in Romans, you can read about it in Philippians, you can read about it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that he died on a cross and he rose again so that whenever we do fall short, we can be forgiven. But... Jesus and God, don't, they, they, he, he, they don't just, because you got God Old Testament, you got Jesus New Testament, a whole deal, if that's confusing, stay with us, we'll get it cleaned up for you. But they're not the type of people, they're not the gods, they just take our sin and take our stuff and they put it under the rug. Oh, you know what, it's okay, 
And by the way, people that deal, deal when you have issues and you just kind of put it under the rug, you don't deal with it, that's called being a coward. Okay, get, stop putting stuff under the rug, start dealing with stuff face to face, head on. Jesus doesn't say, you know what, you messed up. I'm just going to let it go. It's okay. No problems. No, 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 no. Look what happened. 2 Samuel 12, 14 says this, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. There's going to be consequences whenever we sin, period. You're not just going to get away with it and be free and I made it. Whenever we sin, Christians, there's going to be consequences. And right here is a big one. Yes, God passed over him, but your son, which you may not understand unless you have one, is going to die. And David is crushed. He is dealing with so much now. He's already confessed, I have messed up. I have sinned against God to his boy, his friend. He then finds out that his son is gonna die. And now we look at Psalm 51. Most Psalms are very hard to figure out why they were written and who they were written by. It's very hard to understand what in the world is this about. Like you read like, I don't know what that was. It's beautiful. I don't even know what it meant, but it was beautiful. We know what this one's from. Psalm 51 is a lament, it's a song about David feeling so guilty and horrible. This is an exact psalm how we as Christians, if you're a Christian, you should feel the way that David is gonna explain how he feels. When you have messed up and you have sinned against God, you should feel this way. If not, it's another issue. So let's look at Psalm 51, verse one. Have mercy on me, and this is David, remember. This is David, and he is dealing with the junk in the middle of his life. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, which is crazy for David in the Old Testament to say that. Have mercy on me, O God, and blot out my transgression, to blot out everything that I've done. Make me clear. Forget the deal with Bathsheba. Forget the lies. Forget all of it. Because David, his faith was so strong, he knew that there were people that they said one thing, they lived another, and then they got away from God forever. And he is saying, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Have mercy on me. Verse two, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. You know, I've sinned so much. I was trying to think of an of a, of a illustration, but there's just so many. Whenever I sin, whenever, when, look, we, 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 we all struggle and we, these things happen. But whenever I do it, it seriously affects me badly. And I can't stop thinking about it until I deal with it. And we're all that way. If you're a Christian, you, 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 believe, you feel that way. Like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Like, what? If you don't feel that way, then honestly, you're probably not a Christian. 
That's just real. I'm not, I'm not being mean. That's just, that's just the truth. I didn't write this Bible. God did. If you don't feel guilty for the things that you do against God, then you're just living without Christ. And that's, that's you. We can deal with that later on. But David is saying, this is constantly before me. He's constantly, he can't get it out of his mind. He can't shake it. For me, something like that, not a sin. There's a little basketball player. His name is Damian Lillard. He plays for the Portland Trailblazers, okay? When I say the word and I think about Damian Lillard, you may not understand this. A few Rockets fans will understand this. When I think of the name Damian Lillard, all I think about is like four years ago when Damian Lillard hit a three-pointer to beat the Rockets and kick them out of the playoffs. It crushed me. I laid on my floor for like 30 minutes until Brett, I think Brett or Evan texted me like, it's, it's okay, next year's coming. Damian Lillard, can't stand him. He's always before me. I'm just thinking about him all the time when I hear his name. You're like, that's weird, Michael. I know, I got issues, I told you. But for most of us, we have this thing, we have this massive deal that is in front of us. And it stinks and it's horrible and we can't get away from it. That's what David is saying right here. And then verse four, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict. He says against you and you only. Here's the deal. Whenever we do sin, whenever, whenever these things happen, sin, by the way, let me explain what sin is. You're like, what is sin? I don't understand what sin is. Sin is doing complete opposite of what God says for us to do. If you don't know what that is, then I encourage you to keep reading the Bible and keep learning and growing. Sin is usually whenever you do something and you're convicted, like you're like, ah, you probably shouldn't have done that. Most of the time, whenever we are caught in anything, for example, I watch a lot of live PD. I don't know if y'all watch that on Friday and Saturday. I don't do much else, but watch that show on Friday and Saturday. It's amazing, okay? It is like real, like, it's like cops, but all over the country and they switch all over the place. It's awesome, okay? I'm not encouraging you to watch it, but watch it. So um, it, it's, it's awesome. And whenever people get pulled over, I mean, they have so many excuses. Like they open the car and smoke is like, Bleh. like we don't have any pot. Like, bro, your eyes are like this and they're bloodshot and, and there's smoke coming out of the car and there's marijuana everywhere. Like there's plants growing up from your steering wheel. No, it's not mine. It's my aunt's. Passed two years ago, keeping her alive through the wheel. <laughs> I mean, so many excuses. Like, there's people whenever they, they pull them over and they, they're like, hey, you got any needles or anything in your pocket? I could be a cop, by the way, because I watch the show so much. Anything that could stick me, stab me, or hurt me, or blow me up? And they, and they put their hand, oh, and there's, pulls out a needle. This one guy goes, these aren't my pants. <laughs> no kidding. That was here in Houston, okay? These aren't my pants. <laughs> what? <laughs> always coming up with excuses. Always, always doing that. And sometimes we do that with sin. We're like, you know what? It, was, it wasn't my fault that, that I did that. It was Bob's fault. Who's Bob? I don't know. But I'm sure it was his fault. It was the devil. He made me. Look what David does is David doesn't blame anything else but himself. He owns it. He says, you are, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. And I have done what is evil in your sight. Your verdict is right. And his verdict, by the way, 
when we sin against God, the verdict that God truly, that we deserve, is death, separation from God. David is saying, I have sinned against you, not against anybody else, not against Bathsheba, not against Uriah, not against all these people I lied to, but against you and you alone, God. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Verse seven, cleanse me with hyssop. What in the world is hyssop? Hisser, hyssop. Is that, no, that's not it. I didn't do it right. Scissor, <laughs> that was it. Okay. Um, hyssop is a plant, okay? It's like some sticks that they would dip into something and they would take it into a house. A priest would take it into the house and they would like, beep, 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 beep. okay, put it all over the place. If the house was dirty or demons or whatever, and they'd take this hyssop and they would, beep, 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 okay, dip it, beep, 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 all right? A priest would do that. Like, hey, priest, come on, yep. David is saying, look, I want to be clean, but I don't want a priest to do it. I want you to be the one that cleanses me. That's what he says right here. I want you to be the one. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Here's the deal, y'all. When you accept Christ in your life and you have a relationship with him, you are pure, you are clean. And if you're not, if you are the same person you were before you accepted Christ, something's not right. Because when he comes into your life and he changes you, you are different. Yes, you still struggle. Yes, the enemy still comes after us, for sure. But we still struggle. So what do you look like? Once you accept the Christ, are you different? Because truly, there's evidence in true life change. If I were to hang out with you and you didn't know who I was, you, weren't, you didn't know I'm a pastor, you didn't know anything about me, I would hang out with you. Would I be able to tell you're a Christian? And by the way, I, I could tell pretty quick when I'm hanging out with people. And they don't know who I am. It's very obvious. And it's not just because of language. It's not because of what they talk about. You can just tell that people need Christ. So when you hang out with people, do they know that you love Jesus? Do they know that? Adults, do, do the people you work with know that? When you are sitting next to them, when you're leading a meeting, when you're hanging out with them after hours, do they know that you love Jesus? If not, the answer is, let's deal with the junk in our lives. Because it's not something you want to play around with. Let's keep going. We'll fast forward to verse 12. Remember, David right now is talking about he is in massive guilt. He feels horrible. He is struggling. You've all been there before where you're just like, ah, he is crying out. He's, he's hurting. In verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you have a Bible out, you're taking notes, write this down, underline this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Notice that nowhere in this psalm, nowhere at all in Psalm 51 does it say that. You know what? It all started when you messed around with Bathsheba. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, you know what? It's all because of you killing Uriah. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you have lied and lied and lied. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you cheated on your test. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say you disrespect people in authority and your parents. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you're cocky. It doesn't say that you're a gossip. It doesn't say that you steal. It, 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 it doesn't say any of that stuff. It, it, it doesn't say that you lust. It doesn't say you look at porn. It doesn't say that stuff. It doesn't say you're having an adulterous relationship with somebody else. It doesn't say that. A lot of times Christians, we try to say, you know what? Here's what not to do so you don't. Here's what not to do so you don't struggle with this thing. So don't do this so that you don't do this. Sign up on this website so you can have massive accountability. Do this so you don't do this. Nowhere in Psalm 51, really truly in the Bible, does it say that. Look what it says. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Students, adults, staff, friends, once we lose the joy of our salvation is whenever we start to do all the things I just listed. I promise you, I am the worst. Once we lose the joy of our salvation, we lose the focus of our everything is when we start to do those things and we start to feel Psalm 51 and we start to feel the guilt. Here's what the joy of your salvation is. It is Jesus. You know, when Peter was walking on the water, Jesus like, come on, bro. Peter's like, I'm on God. And he starts walking out to him. What happens to Peter? He starts to sink, right? That was weird, but that's what I picture. He sinks. Why does he sink? Because he took his eyes off of Christ. The joy of his salvation. Why do we sin? Why do we do these things? Why do we have this big bag of poo in our lives? Because for some of us, we have taken our eyes off of Jesus, the joy of our salvation. Do you remember the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ? Do you remember how excited you were? Or you're like, ah, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What, am, what are my friends gonna think? What I gotta tell my parents? What's gonna happen? Or maybe for you, the moment, because you, you, you accepted Christ and you were baptized, you came up out of that water, you're like, yes, this is it. I'm new. This water doesn't really do anything, but this is the moment for me. That's the joy of your salvation. Have you forgotten about it? Maybe you have, and that's why you're here tonight, so that we can come back to that. Stop trying not to do things. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to, you know what, I'm just not gonna, you know, I'm gonna put my phone over here because I struggle with this. I'm gonna do this so I don't do this. I'm gonna, -da -da, I'm, gonna I'm gonna, no, 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 no. How about you just get excited about Jesus again? Because whenever he is your focus, whenever he is your everything, whenever he is all you think about, when he is your focus, guess what? Sin is a lot harder to do. Yes, the enemy's like, oh, I'm gonna get you. Get ready. But you're like, hey, 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 Jesus. <laughs> I talked to him this morning. We hung out. 
I read about it. What are you going to do now? That's what David says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's get to the root of our sin instead of just putting little guardrails up so we don't mess up. And that is Jesus. Verse 13 is crazy. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Are you kidding me? He just gets done just pouring his life out like, I have messed up, I'm a failure, I've sinned against you. Please, Lord, don't leave me. He says that in verse eight. He just starts talking about all, he's praying hard. And he says this, here's why I want this so bad is because I want to tell other people about you. Are you kidding me? Yeah, forgiveness is good. But you know what? I want to teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. This is David, who God passed over, who has been the ultimate sinner, if you will. And he's saying, you know what? I want to tell more people about you. You know, the enemy is very real. Satan is no joke. He was real then and he's real right now in this moment. So bad, so much so that some of you are focused on the wrong thing right now because he does not want you at all to hear what I'm about to tell you. Here's the deal. David was so guilty, he felt so bad. But he did not allow that guilt and that shame and that stuff to stop him. Because the enemy is telling some of us right now in this room, and trust me, I have been there more recent than you know, that I'm not good enough, I'm never gonna be good enough. And you know what, just stop. And the enemy's like, yeah, that's right. You have messed up so bad, Michael. You're a failure. What are you doing? And he's doing the same thing to some of you in the room. Because here's the reason why. The truth is there is somebody in this room right now that God is gonna use so mightily he is gonna do something so awesome in your life. And you're like, dude, I'm only a sixth grader. I'm only a junior in high school. It could be you, it could be you, it could be you, it could be you. It could be all of you. It could be everybody. And the enemy's like, no, 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 you have sinned, you have messed up, you have done this, you have gotten drunk, you have done this, and in your mind, you're like, I'm, right. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to go to church anymore because those people are perfect. Wrong. By the way, this is the greatest place for any imperfect person to be. And by the way, when people show up here and they may cuss and they may drink and they may do all this stuff, you better be like, I'm so glad you're here. There may be people here that, that don't really agree with what we talk about. Awesome. I'm glad they're here. Maybe people here that you're like, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't believe in all this stuff, but I'm here. Awesome. Instead of you judging them, you need to high-five them. Say, welcome. The enemy wants to destroy you and wants you to think that you have failed. Well, let me just tell you something. You haven't failed. You are normal. And I want you to know that that big pile of junk that you can't stop thinking about that is in your life, I want you to know right now that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again so you don't have to deal with that. 
And so tonight, before you walk out, I seriously, during the next song that we sing, it is called Reckless Love because his love is reckless. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get to us. I'm telling you during this next song, I'm gonna ask you that you seriously give it up to him. I don't know what that looks, maybe to come up here and pray, maybe to grab a friend, maybe confess that bag of junk to somebody. Because I'm telling you right now, I can tell that man anything, I can tell these people in the front row anything, and I feel better when I confess my sins to these people. And then they pray for me. Do not allow the enemy to just make this bag right here the center of your life anymore. Verse 14, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. And here's what that is. He goes from admitting, confession, rejoicing. That's the whole psalm. Admitting, confessing, rejoicing. And that's where I want us to leave tonight is rejoicing. Rejoicing means, man, you're excited. It means, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have that anymore because I've given it up. And I'm not going to walk out of here holding this bag of poop. I'm going to leave it here and I'm out. And I'm excited about that. I wish so badly I could sit down with every single one of you and say, hey, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. What are you dealing with? How can I help you? But I can't. But he can. And if you have a personal relationship with him, Tonight is a night to deal with that. Maybe possibly some of you in the room, you don't have that to talk to. You can't talk to God because you don't know him. And right now the truth is that you don't understand the guilt that I was talking about. You, you, you seriously don't understand it. And tonight, myself along with many in this room have been praying for you to ask Christ into your heart for the very first time and to have your life changed for eternity. And that means this, you believe that Jesus came to earth, he died on a cross and he rose again and he is alive and you can have a personal relationship. Like, like seriously, y'all can talk. You can read about him in the word. You can grow in your life and I promise you, you will be whiter than snow as it says right here. No more guilt, no more shame. So tonight I wanna give you that opportunity, everybody in the room, everybody who's even watching online right now, everybody this opportunity to accept Christ into your life with no one looking around.